As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. That on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get the athletic for a discounted rate. The playoffs are in full swing. We have two very fun segments. The first is with my guy, Law Murray, who works for us here at The Athletic, covering the Clippers. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about with this Clipper squad. Uh, mostly bad because of injuries, uh, but we also talk some silver linings. And just uh, just the fun of watching this Clipper squad when they do have their players. And then in the second part, we have Deuce and Mo from the Deuce and Mo podcast. They cover the Sacramento Kings. Boy, what a fun team. What a fun duo here. Uh, we discuss the Kings, obviously. And then we have a, a pretty fun edition of Andrew versus the Beat. So please tune in for that. We really are thankful to all of you guys for listening to our show all season. We will continue to bring you guys uh, weekly podcasts here through the playoffs, and we'll have more guests as a no, part we'll of do that, that throughout the playoffs. So hope you guys enjoy the show. And without further ado, here is Law Murray. All right, Al. We're going to talk about this Clippers team. They've been fascinating to me, and the only person I want to talk to about the Clippers is my guy, Law Murray. Law, what's up? Good morning. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad we could get you. We got you last minute here. So Law is like whirlwind here. He's yeah, been so we're, busy. We're, He's writing up a storm, hopping on for the pod. Eyes redder than the devil. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kawhi Leonard, who has been incredible, he was incredible in Game One and Two. Was ruled out shortly before Thursday's Game Three for a sprained right knee. How confident are you that we will see Kawhi Leonard again in this series? I'm not confident because why, oh, why, 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 why would I do that to myself? Like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not confident at oh. all. Uh, it's the playoffs. If if Kawhi couldn't play in the playoff game and he's got a what the team is calling a sprain, um, either he doesn't have a sprain or – he has an injury that usually is measured in week to week, not day to day, like the team is saying right now. So yeah. why would I be confident? <sighs> You're probably right. <laughs> I hate to hear that because he was playing so well and for like such a long period of time. You just felt like, all right, the Terminator's coming. And then he's just suddenly gone. It was just it's just strange. It's just really strange. Yeah. That's how it happens, Andrew. It doesn't, you know, this isn't like, oh, man, Kawhi sucked for days. He clearly needs some time off. No, man. It hits you when it hurts the very most. Yeah. Uh, so in game three, despite missing Kawhi and PG, despite the Suns taking 46 free throws, 
The Clippers had a legit shot to win this game, and in the fourth quarter, Ty Lue went to the super small lineup featuring Russ, Terrence Mann, Bones Highland, Eric Gordon, Norman Powell, and after trailing by 10 with five and a half minutes left, that group got it as close to three in the final minutes. There was that in and out three from Bones. Oh my gosh, so close. We've seen Ty Lue use small lineups to great effect in the playoffs before. What did you think about that small lineup against the Suns and DeAndre Ayton specifically? And do you think this is something he might try over more extended minutes in game four? Yes, I feel like the Clippers found a little something that maybe they should have went to earlier, but I can understand why they wanted to kind of save it for the end of this particular game. You have to understand there are eight quarterfinal series in the NBA right now, eight first round series. Suns Clippers is the only of those eight that has every game, two, three, and four, only one day of rest. Every other series has at least Mm -hmm. one of those games. Some, Mm -hmm. you know, like the other Los Angeles team have two of the games in this series where they have two days of rest before uh, one of those uh, games, two, three, and four. And why that matters is because not only is game four one day of rest, but game four is a matinee game. Uh, the Clippers have played their weirdest basketball in afternoon games. Like it's something everyone knows. The head coach knows, the stars know, the Role players, the guys who just joined the team, they join the team and immediately they jump into playing underachieving basketball. It's just the weirdest thing. Um, but maybe it's an advantage to the Clippers this time because there is so little rest between game three, the end of game three and the beginning of when game four starts Saturday that you just have to look at the minutes that these guys are playing and the pace not even the pace, because the pace was relatively slow in the fourth quarter due to all the fouling that the Clippers were doing. They, they sent the Suns to the line uh, way too many times. That, that slows the games down. But other than that, when you're in the half court and you got to guard shooters, you got to guard ball handlers, you got to guard playmakers, and there are no rest stops. There's no guy. Terrence Mann is your center in that lineup. He's screening and rolling, but Terrence is also one of the more athletic players on the team. There's no place where you can be like all right we're just going to chill i think the fact that they took the minutes that the suns were already playing high minutes but they kind of put those guys all over 40 we're talking about chris paul devin booker and kevin durant and they're going to see if that has an impact and they're going to i i I would expect to see even less of the centers and the older power forwards that the clippers have uh, in an effort to make 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 the Suns win a war of attrition, if you will. So, so game three was the first time that we've seen Bones Highland top 20 minutes in the playoffs. He scored 20 in that game, getting to the line eight times. When L.A. made the trade for Bones, were there questions about how much playing time he would actually get? And what have you thought about him so far on this team? Bones is the Reggie Jackson replacement. And the thing with Reggie is that Reggie's a combo guard. He was starting at point guard for the Clippers, but Reggie Jackson is more of a combo guard. That's that's where he's comfortable. He's not your traditional pick and roll, make plays kind of point guard. He's a guy who can do some things on the ball as a as, as a passer, uh, but is also comfortable as a catch and shoot guy, especially playing next to stars. Bones is a guy who, when he was in college at VCU, was a shooting guard, a point guard sized player, but a shooting guard. Uh, it reminded the Clippers of Lou Williams, like Lawrence Frank, Teron Lou. They keep on bringing up Lou Will when they talk about Bones. And when Lou Will was traded to Atlanta for Rajon Rondo, in my mind, it was like, well, they traded Lou Will for Rondo, but really they traded Lou Will because they had Reggie Jackson playing that combo guard role that Lou had been playing for so long with the Clippers. Bones is a younger version of and and gives him some of that energy while Bones can be a point guard, while Bones can make some plays. Bones is the type of player you can stick next to uh, a star like Kawhi Leonard and say, I dare you to double Kawhi. That dude Bones can shoot from what Bones himself calls four point range. And when he plays Mm -hmm. next to Russ, he has an ability to just say, I'm going to get mine. Sometimes that is a, a bad thing. I mean, he was taking the Chris Paul matchup way too personal in the first half of game three. But in the second half, 
Bones was cooking these dudes. He was he was scoring in on the fast break. He was hitting that three. It was unfortunate that his three pointer to answer Tory Craig's clutch three rimmed out because that run was pivotal in keeping the Suns out of garbage time. So the Suns came into this series as the betting favorite in the West. What have been your impressions of this new look Suns team having now watched their first three playoff games together? I think the Suns are incredibly top heavy, but if one of those top heavy guys is going to play as well as Devin Booker has, Devin, now that Kawhi is injured, is the best player in the series. It's not Kevin, it's 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 Devin. And Devin has the ability to drive. He has the ability to make the three-pointer when you're feeling like you're regaining control of the game or the three-pointer that just deflates you in the middle of the game. Devin is not turning the ball over like he was earlier in the series. All those dudes were making mistakes, but Devin didn't have a single turnover in game three. He's playing perfect basketball right now on the offensive end uh, from a volume and efficiency standpoint. You can't overplay Kevin Durant because – Devin Booker is killing these dudes. So maybe that's the adjustment. Maybe they are like, you know what? Let's, let's try our chances on on Kevin, the older player, the guy who hasn't played as much. Because right now, it's funny. Monty Williams called Kevin Durant a decoy, um, you know, after game three. And it's true. The Suns are used to having Mikael Bridges in Kevin Durant's spot. So having a guy as powerful at, with – reputation as well as production as Kevin Durant is unlocking Devin Booker's best basketball right now. And that is the difference between the Suns being up in the series versus the Clippers possibly being up in the series. Yeah, this series certainly isn't over, but this is now the third straight postseason that the Clippers have been without Paul George and or Kawhi. If they end up losing in the first round, what are your expectations for the Clippers in the offseason? Do you think they just run it back? Is, is Russ going to be around for, you know, next season? I mean, what, what do they do? There's a, there's a lot of complications, and all the complications always comes down to health. It's always health with this team, okay? Yeah. Like, I'm in the arena. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm thinking of the fact that Kawhi Leonard, for a full-capacity crowd in L.A., in that arena, he's never been able to play in front of that for a playoff. In, in, in a playoff environment when Kawhi got hurt he tore his ACL oh, yeah. in 2021 game four that was a limited capacity crowd mm-hmm. okay game four the Clippers got their first capacity crowd of that postseason the next home game game six and it was just it, it's just sad to think about that it's like that is so this, crazy to think about yeah right um and the fan base feels that that's why these regular seasons have been frustrating because you're waiting for the playoffs, but then something always happens in the playoffs. And you know who the biggest fan is? Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer. <laughs> you right. know, uh, Steve Ballmer got a lot of money. Y'all, y'all might have heard, right? And they building that little <laughs> building next to in, in, in Inglewood. And so that is a factor in anything that happens with the Clippers uh, in, in terms of big things, you know. They are literally trying to sell tickets to a building that hasn't opened yet. And how do you do that? You you do that by selling a little bit of hope and by selling a little bit of this is what we've done for you lately. And, and toilets. Yeah. Clocks. <laughs> Clocks, you, not, toilets. You're you going to know what time the game is, right? <laughs> and so Steve is has this outsized personality, but Steve is a – is, is, is also a dude who he's and, and why he's a good owner, a good chairman, is that he has empowered his front office to basically do whatever it takes to get a winning team, a championship team, a contender. He has also built relationships with these guys. I mean, you got a lot of owners that just do dumb stuff, right? They, they say the wrong things. They get in the way. They're meddling. And Steve wants to win and is putting pressure on everybody in the organization to win. He said before, they're not ever going to tank. If anything, they'll they'll reload. You know, they traded Chris Paul. They traded Blake Griffin in the middle of the first year of an extension where they had 
you know, they brought, who did they bring? Obama, MLK, the portraits or whatever in the arenas. And like, this is yours forever. And that dude didn't even make it to Valentine's Day, right? <laughs> they they will do that those kinds of things. But that was in the middle of a 42 and 40 season that basically re-energized a whole lot of people in that organization and say, okay, maybe we're a lot closer to, you know, getting this back. And that's how you get Kawhi and PG literally two summers later in 2019. Steve doesn't want to, quote, unquote, blow this up. Fans love blowing things up because it means that you can get draft picks back and you can just, you know, not invest your emotions into a team that isn't going anywhere, right? And uh, that's – I don't see that happening. Kawhi and Paul are not free agents until 2024, which is the same year into a dome is supposed to open. And Kawhi was always going to need some time to get back to being Kawhi. Physically, he got back – from the ACL tear to begin the season, but he wasn't Kawhi Leonard, the guy who may or may not be an all NBA player until January of this year. And that's when Paul started to have his physical issues. And now you got both of those guys who thankfully aren't dealing with injuries that are going to compromise the start of next season. They can start next season the way they started Toronto lose first season when they came out the bubble and were one of the best teams in the NBA. I think that is what you bank on. You couldn't realistically do that this year, regardless of all the high expectations coming into the year, because they were thinking, Hey, we're going to get healthy guys back that barely played last year. That does, that's not how it works. It takes time to build that continuity in the chemistry. I think you've learned that the hard way this year and maybe the, this offseason, the front office knows we can't have a decrepit starting lineup, guys who were cooked because they had to do too much while Kawhi and Paul was out the previous year. I know that's a lot. Y'all are just expecting me to be like, hey, like they're just going to blow it up. No, nah, I can't say they're going to blow it up. If T. Lou yeah. wants to coach his team, and I think the more I get the feeling, I think Teron wants to give this thing one more go. You're going to get mm-hmm. one more shot with Kawhi and Paul under team control. And the front office knows we can't have too many of the same type of guys, and we have, can't have too many of the older guys who are just they, – they just are past their prime. They need to reconfigure the support for Kawhi and Paul and give this thing one last good shot while before they're tr- trying to enter the new building. Given how he's played with the team um, since being signed, do you think Russ could be a part of that future? Right, and that's the complicated part. They got Russell Westbrook on a buyout, right? He was going to get paid his money because the Jazz bought him out of his deal after the Lakers traded him. The Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook while he was on a max contract that he signed in Oklahoma City. And the version of that player, combined with the fact that the Lakers put an incompetent roster around Russ and those two stars, Anthony and LeBron, uh, and the fact that they had a head coach in Frank Vogel, who was a lame duck, wasn't supported by the Lakers organization despite winning a championship. And Frank's always been a defensive first coach. Frank does not, respectfully, Frank does not have the offensive imagination to make up for a substandard roster, a roster with no bigs, no shooters. How are you going to do that around Russ? So, uh, around two stars in 80 and LeBron, who their weakness, if there's any, is they don't shoot the ball at a high level outside the paint. It just doesn't make sense. So Russ came to a team and a head coach and a star group that was going to support his ability to produce at an acceptable level again. And it was a benefit to not have to give up any of the players uh, to do that, which is what the Clippers would have had to do if they wanted to trade for Kyrie Irving or Fred Van Vliet or Mike Conley or D'Angelo Russell, right? Um, now you're going into the offseason, you're probably not going to get Russ back on a minimum deal. They're probably going to let the market dictate what's going to happen. You're not going to say, hey, we're going to give Russ $10 million just because. I mean, that's that's probably a foolhardy way of doing business. But Russell Westbrook wants to stay in L.A. He's going to be a 16-year guy next year. Russell is going to definitely want to stay with a coach who has empowered him with stars who will support him no matter what Russ is doing. And so that's going to be interesting. But Russ has built good relationships with people that he didn't have those relationships with before. He had a relationship with T. Lee before. He had a relationship with PG before. He actually had a connection with Kawhi, you know. But now he has a connection with the front office. Now he's a connection with Steve Ballmer, the owner. I mean, Ballmer is a fan of Russ. You know what Russ doesn't do? Mm-hmm. Russ doesn't miss games. <laughs> that's kind of it's kind of so key true. right now with pg and Kawhi yep. being out that leaves a good impression and so yep. it's you don't want to overpay a 16 year point guard that's that's again that's bad business but i think that 
if T Luke T Luke's the, the the key for me. If T Luke stays, then I think it's more likely that Russell also stays. If T Luke's not there for what one reason or another, then I think you have to kind of it's, it's a toss up because not everybody can coach Russell Westbrook. Well, Law, thank you for answering all our questions about this, uh, uh, this very interesting Clippers team. I and mean, we can hear it in your voice. Uh, this has been a very frustrating series because it does feel like one oh, they I feel great. could win. I oh, feel, you feel great. I, okay. I, 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 I feel great, man. I'm, I'm, I'm alive on a, on, a, on, a, on a Friday morning. You know, I ain't got no time between these series. You know, I'm not covering a series with two. Imagine having two days in between games two, three, and four. Like, come on, man. I'm, I, yeah, what would you, I'm, what would you do with I'm all that? Rhythm. You don't need the extra time. You don't need uh, that time. <laughs> and you're going to be back <laughs> at it like at noon tomorrow. Uh, That's right. That's okay. right. So we're going to do uh, a playoff draft. Now, we've, we've had a week of playoffs. You have some opinions about these teams now. And so we're going to draft 12 of the 16. And Law, because you're our guest, this is a snake draft, you get to pick which draft slot you want. So obviously, if you picked first, you would get the first and sixth pick. If you pick third, you could get third and fourth. Where would you like to go? Oh, Some shoot, strategy man. involved here. Yeah, so I can pick third, you said. Oh, you can, yeah. So you yeah, want the back-to-back? Yeah. yeah. All right, Andrew, oh, uh, I'm so nice. I'm going to let you go first. Oh, wow. I will go second. So this is who you think, based on what you know right now, who you think will win mm-hmm. the NBA championship. If you had to bet, Andrew, and you get first picks. <sighs> Okay, give me the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics. Uh, they they can just play every single way, and they're battle tested. I like them. That that would have been my choice as well. You know, it gets tricky here. Normally, it's just like auto pick Milwaukee for me. Mm-hmm. Giannis has been out. I'm assuming he's it's coming back. I'm ass- and you're I'm just assuming? gonna hand law the Bucks. Wow. Okay. No, I didn't say that. Okay. All right. See, I, I know what Law's going to do if I take the Bucks. There's really no good option for me here. I mean, all these teams are good, obviously. I think I'm going to go with – you know what? I'm going to go Denver. I'm going to go okay. Denver. I think they've looked really good. Everyone's healthy. Now that I've seen what this Phoenix team looks like, you know, maybe I'm feeling a little bit more confident they can at least make it past them to the conference finals. I know I should probably take the Bucks, but I'm going to go with Denver. Wow. You are just yeah. handing him Milwaukee. Yeah, I'm obviously going to pick Milwaukee. Like, there's <laughs> ah. – Come on, man. 340, 20 teams, and the Bucks were the best of those teams. So, hell yeah, I'm going to go with the team that is going to have home court advantage the rest of the series, yeah. uh, assuming they can win in Miami now. And you have, you have no no worries about Giannis at all? I'm, of course I'm worried about Giannis. Same reason I'm worried about Kawhi. Like – this is the playoffs, man. If you miss in the playoff game, then you hurt. You you yeah. are like you are not physically capable of helping your team. And the Bucks are fortunate that they have an outstanding point guard in Drew Holiday, uh, yeah. shooters galore, which is what the Heat found out in Game Two, and threes. and and the dude in Bobby Portis that um, I mean. Yeah, they 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 have they have guys that they didn't have in 2020 when they lost in the bubble uh, to the Heat. So, I the the Bucks have played enough games without Giannis, just like the Clippers have played enough games without Kawhi, where I'm not counting them out just yet. Um, and who would you like for your second pick? Uh-huh. My second pick, I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors because. Oh, oh! Yeah, I was going to take them next. They're the defending champs, and until they're knocked out, man, I mean, they're they're a team that there's a lot of institutional knowledge of what to do. They found out how to win without Draymond last night against the Kings team that was giving them work. Uh, They got another home game, and we know that they always win a road game, right? Uh, They haven't done it yet, uh, but it would surprise nobody if they get Draymond back in front of their home crowd and tie the series, go to Sacramento and take a series lead and come back home and close it out. It would surprise nobody. And then the Warriors are, oh, no, the Warriors are back again. Well, uh, Law, I may have given you Milwaukee, but based on your choices, you have given me a guaranteed, potentially, if if, if Phoenix beats the Clippers, a guaranteed 
Western Conference finalists, so I'm going to take Phoenix. Now I have Denver and Phoenix. I'm feeling good. I, at least I'm probably going to have a Western Conference finalist. Andrew, who would you like? You get two picks, Andrew. Oh, good. Uh, I feel good about nobody now. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I can't. I mean, I guess I would. I'm thinking Sixers next, but they would have to beat Boston to get there. Hey, but that's 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 good. That's a good hedge. It's a you nice hedge. Kind of. It's a nice hedge. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll take Philly for my next one. Okay. And um, uh, coming around and the turn, ta- who would you like? And then if Giannis can't go, give me give me Cleveland. Okay, I thought you were about to say Miami. It's like Andrew. Give me Miami. <laughs> give me Jimmy the Heat. Butler. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm gonna take the Lakers. It oh, feels, gross! Feels like good value at this point. We're in the third round, Andrew. Oh, disgusting! That was the eighth team picked. Okay, Law, back around to you <laughs> for your final two picks. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just. Stick with common sense here. I'm going to go with Memphis and Sacramento. Um, okay. Yeah, um, they're they they those teams have home court advantage. Um, again, Grizzlies have to win in Los Angeles, but the Grizzlies are the best defense in the West, and the Kings are the best offense in the in, in the entire league, especially the West. So um, those teams are powerful uh, until they're knocked out. Uh, you gotta you gotta deal with a lot of firepower. Those are t- the two most well-rounded teams, uh, arguably in the entire league. So Law finishes with the Bucks, Warriors, Grizzlies, Kings. My final pick. It's really between the Clippers and Knicks. I'm actually if I pick the Clippers, I really could guarantee if you know if, if Kawhi <laughs> makes a miraculous return. What if PG comes back? If they, if they could somehow beat this Suns team, but I'm gonna go with the Knicks. Uh, if I, if we had done this after game one, I bet the Knicks would have gone a little bit sooner. <laughs> but then there was that uh, game two blowout. You know, got yep. people off the, off the scent. The Clippers would have gone sooner as well. That's true. Yeah, the Clippers definitely would. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Knicks. Heading back to MSG. Feeling good. This is probably my favorite matchup so far of this playoffs, other than Golden State Kings. And, Andrew, are you yeah, going to yeah. go with the Clippers or are you going to go with uh, one of these goofy teams? Uh, you cannot go with any of the goofy teams. You have to at least give yourself a chance and give me the Clippers. All right. And if some, by some miracle, Kawhi comes back and Paul George comes back. I mean, Paul George putting on their Instagram, you know, he's he's running the stairs. He says he's in know? great physical shape. Yeah, he's in great I, physical I, shape. I saw him Monday morning or Tuesday morning uh, before game two. And mm-hmm. the fact that he was able to travel at all is a yeah. serious sign of progress because he wasn't even able to be on the bench at home uh, for the first week or two of his injury. Uh, basically, the first two weeks of his injury. Um, first time yeah. Paul was really on the bench was uh, the Lakers game um, in April. So it's great that he he's moving okay. I don't want to say he's moving great. He's got to get in shape. Um, with a lower leg injury, that's that compromises your condition and so mm-hmm. but it sounds like the knee is stable enough that if the clippers can survive the suns you will see him in round two yeah all right andrew so andrew's final teams boston philly cleveland clippers i took Ugh. denver phoenix lakers knicks and law has bucks warriors grizzlies kings wow we'll try to do this uh, every go- week see how we feel week to week yeah yeah, I feel bad. Um, okay, everybody go read Law at The Athletic. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, Al, it's time to talk about America's team. The Sacramento Kings. I have been, you know, we have the Wheel of Fandom. It spins every week. And for whatever reason, we didn't get the Kings. And we, we've, now we have forced it to happen. And when we sat down to talk about, okay, who are we going to get to talk about the Kings? Like, okay, first we need to get somebody who's good on a mic. These people both, they, they check that box. Um, and then we're like, okay, we would like a really good podcaster. And so the podcast that we both thought of was Deuce and Mo. And you know what? We got Deuce and we got Mo on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining, guys. Uh, dude, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, that was really sweet of you guys, too. Thank you for thinking of us in all of this. You forgot the good-looking part for me, too. That was oh. the one thing I thought <laughs> wow. maybe he would okay. bring up. Uh, you're stupid. Uh, well, let's talk about Game 1 in Sacramento. At home, the first playoff game in 16 years. Uh, an awesome game. An incredible win for the Kings. Uh, we got to experience it on TV, which was, I mean, it was even... I'm sitting there watching it. I'm getting goosebumps just listening to the crowd just through the television. But what was it like for you two to be there in person? Uh, and is there a moment in the game that sticks out to you that you're like, oh, I'll always remember this from game one? It's a great question. I I think the thing that jumps out to me was 25 minutes before tip-off. Everyone was by their seat, standing up. Like when the Kings got introduced to come out wow. for their warm-ups, it was just an unbelievable experience. I'm going... This is the energy right now. Yeah. We're 25 minutes from tip off. And I felt like that energy <laughs> continued on. And it, it just speaks to like how unique of a fan base this is. You know, Sacramento's been bad for so long. And I think longtime basketball fans remember how amazingly loud this place would get yeah. back in the early 2000s. But, you know, most NBA fans don't know what Kings fans are like. So I thought that was cool to get see them get some love on the national level um i'm trying to think back to if there's any big moment in game one i know I, I can't really think of a of a specific moment but something that just after you asked that question kind of comes to mind would be in could be kind of game two too but would be like davion mitchell and his on ball defense i hmm. i know that sounds really funny but it's it was one of those moments where throughout the season we didn't know specifically like what is his role as backup point guard if he can't um, provide the offense that you need? And not only did he hold his own out there, he was needed off the bench. And I just love those big defensive moments by Davion Mitchell. It doesn't matter if it's a closeout. doesn't matter if it's on-ball pressure. The crowd just goes wild, even more wild than I've ever seen any crowd do on a made shot. <laughs> So one of the big stats from the series so far has been the Kings' three-point shooting. They shot 37% from three in the regular season, but as Deuce pointed out on Twitter, the Kings are currently shooting 27.3% from three through the first Yikes. three games. Do you think that poor shooting has been more about guys just missing shots they would normally make, or is it Golden State forcing the Kings into some more difficult attempts than they're used to? I think this might sound like a cop-out, but oh. both. I mean, I, I was going to say the same I think the first, thing. <laughs> I thought game three, they got some much better looks. In fact, my guy, Will Z on Twitter, who drops King stats all the time, had something interesting. The Kings shot six of 27 on their wide open three pointers oh. last oh, wow. night. Yikes. Six of 27. That's In 22%. They are 19 of 72 through three games on wide open threes. They should knock down some threes at some point. When you consider Keegan yeah. Murray was a 40% three-point shooter this year, and he made a lot of them, right? Set the rookie record. Kevin Herter, 40% three-point shooter. That guy's really been much of a factor from beyond the arc. So you have to think it gets going, but the Warriors have done a good job, Morgan, like with dealing with the dribble handoffs, blowing those up, really not allowing these shooters to have much space at all. And that's part of it, you guys, because when we say both, it truly is like you look at those wide open threes being missed. Like that has to be more of a focus thing, right? But then you look at the Warriors defensively and the way that they have been doing such a great job defending the DHOs, def coming out on guys, rotating over, whatever, just ruining the flow 
of the Kings mm-hmm. offense. And that flow is what helped a lot of these Kings players shoot so efficiently, so consistently throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Kevin Herter, you know, getting into his motion, the way that he would turn his body, his footwork, beautiful, perfect. You're not seeing that same thing, at least from deep for the Kings right now. Yeah, so it's been an up and down series for for Domas so far. Uh, five of seventeen in game one, great in game two, uh, fifteen and sixteen in game three. But the Kings were dominant in those minutes, and he had six turnovers, one of his highest turnover games of the season. Uh, what has Golden State done so well against Sabonis in this series? And are there any obvious adjustments for Sabonis the rest of the way? Ooh. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be a problem going into the series. I think sometimes people look at, oh, Sabonis, he's got the size advantage. Von Looney is so underrated. Yep. The guy yeah. is a brick house. He's strong. Yep. He saw what he did last night. Gets after it on the offensive rebounds. He makes you work. And Draymond Green, he may be a way smaller guy from a height perspective. Brick wall. So strong. So strong. So I think they have made Sabonis work for everything. And I thought last night they threw some late doubles. He thought he had some one-on-one matchups. Go ahead. But then the way that they were playing off of him last night, like their game plan shifted, right? They were playing off as a bonus saying, here, take the mid-range shot. You can do what you need. He needs to take the mid-range shot. And And I I don't need him taking a whole bunch of them, but he needs to keep them honest. I I know it's not totally a strength of his game, but he can hit a 17-foot mid-range jumper, and he's got to do it with confidence. I think he's overthinking at times out there, and he's just got to go play his game. He's got to be aggressive. There are times I'm like, okay, go finish, but even around the basket, it seems like he's hesitating. The Kings, when they're at their best, it's the quick decisions. Even in the half court, they're playing with pace. They're making quick decisions. They didn't do that in game three at all, so... He can play a lot better, but this is going to be a really tough matchup for him. And in game three, too, you guys, in that first half, the Kings only had two field goal attempts in the restricted area, right? I mean, that's usually where he's dominating or at least someone's getting into the paint and finishing out Mm -hmm. the rim. And so, yeah, I think um, throwing Draymond getting suspended through a whole different type of defense and game plan at Sabonis for game three. even, And so the adjustments at the Warriors game, I think, did throw off his game a lot. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about the defense because obviously there was a lot of talk about Sacramento's defense coming into the series given that they were the 24th ranked unit in the regular season. But looking at Golden State's offensive ratings over these first three games of this series, the Kings' defense has held up pretty well overall. I mean, game two was the obvious highlight, but even in games one and three, it's not like we've seen a true Warriors offensive explosion that we're used to. What do you think has worked defensively so far for the Kings and how much do you trust it going forward? Physicality is one thing. I think that is the biggest. Like, it, last night, I felt like the physicality wasn't there enough. Um, and I thought they competed. That's the one thing I think that gets lost when people talk about the Kings defense. I think the people go, oh, the Kings defense is bad. And when you think of bad defense, sometimes you think of just like, oh, laziness, not competing. The Kings compete. Like, they're. Mm-hmm. Mike Brown has them at a level where they're going to bring it. Their problem is miscommunication, mm, yeah. on asleep, just getting beat sometimes because they don't have great defensive personnel. But the thing that they can control is that physicality and what Davion Mitchell has done, what De'Aaron Fox has done this series. I think even Kevin Herter's brought it defensively, and I think you can even make a case that maybe that's impacted his shot. He's extending so much, expanding so much energy out there. I don't know... Um, if I trust their, that they're a really great defensive team based on how they're performing in this series, no, I think they're a pretty average defensive team and they're going to have some moments. But if they bring that level of physicality against this team, they're going to have a good shot. It takes a different type of mental toughness when you don't have the best defensive personnel. So it takes a different type of mental toughness when you're when five guys are out there and you're like moving on a string. Every guy has to do their job right. The effort has to be there. You have to be like, you look at the geometry of the floor and if you're not one foot over, you're going to miss your assignment coming over and help. You know, that second line of defense, like you just always got to be ready. And when the anchor isn't in there, uh, Domas Sabonis, like who else is going to be that one chatting it up, talking it up with their guys. So I think defensively for the Kings, they're showing that you can have 
you don't have to be the best defensive team by numbers and the analytics, but if you lock in like they did those first two games and they got those first two wins, then you can do some amazing things. Mm -hmm. So it was announced this week that Mike Brown won Coach of the Year, the first unanimous winner of the award. He is the 12th coach Sacramento has had since last making the playoffs. Uh, what is it about Coach Brown that made him the perfect person to get this franchise back to the playoffs? I, I just think we talk so often about players and their development and what gets lost with coaches they have to develop too and he got a job he had a big time job early in his career as a young coach coaching lebron he had to deal with the a kobe team right like then he went back to cleveland he had to evolve and i think that's a, the the best the best people in life are able to evolve and they're honest with themselves of what they have to do to improve and he has done that and i think he's just brought a level of accountability but at the same time, he loves on his guys, too. Like, he's got the perfect balance. He gets after his guys. His coaching staff's empowered to have a voice. And the one thing he had talked about when he got the job is, you got to have a soul within the organization. The Kings haven't had a soul. They haven't had any stability whatsoever. And he's come in and brought organization, stability, accountability, everything that you would want out of a head coach. And I think his coaching style, you guys, I think uh... – not only everyone buying into what he's saying, but I I truly believe that college style of coaching, you know, making sure your guys are staying disciplined and you are running if you're, you know, missing free throws at the end of practice. You are running if it's a, um, you know, missed thing on defense, whatever it is. Like you, you see him call timeouts 30 seconds into games throughout this season when a guy isn't rotating over the right way and he's blowing them up on the side. But you look at some of these great coaches in the league and like a Greg Popovich, for example, he was he's allowed. He's got some pop in him and of course spent time with Popovich. Right, right. And, mm -hmm. and, and Pop right. was, was a lot like allowed. I mean, he could scream at Tim Duncan on the side and Tim Duncan and knew that and Tim Duncan knew that he loved the hell out of him, right? So he was gonna play his best basketball for him. And you're just seeing those small elements in his coaching style. And I just think the Kings have not had that forever. And he really is a special coach just in the NBA. And what you just said about the Tim Duncan dynamic, Mike Brown brought that up this year. His point is if you can coach and yell at Tim Duncan, you can coach and yell at anybody on the team. <laughs> And that's De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis want to be coached. They like it. So if you can be hard, if you can blow up De'Aaron Fox during a timeout for messing up a defensive assignment 27 seconds into a quarter, then you can hold everyone in that locker room accountable. I was, uh, I was looking up Mike Brown's stats for trivia, and I saw the uh, report from last May when it like popped up on the Google search of when they had come to their final three candidates which is like mike brown steve clifford and mark jackson that report that had come out Oof. can you can you go back to that time like did you when that came out did you immediately know like okay if, if, if these are our options like mike brown is the obvious choice like how long did it take for you to buy in to the idea of mike brown i feel like we were pretty close like yeah. to well, right from the beginning when it was early on and i was like oh, maybe they can go after a will hardy or darvin yeah. ham i was kind of yeah. interested in that uh -huh. um yeah. The Mark Jackson one was the complicated one that I was like, I I know all the Golden State players like like Steph and Draymond say good uh, things. Right. It's, not, the, it's, it's not that complicated. You know you don't want that. Yeah. No, I don't know. I know. Like, but, why doesn't he have a job in the NBA right now if the King yeah. everyone was blowing up the Kings for not like hiring him and yeah. like what? Then why doesn't anyone else want him? Exactly. Right. He's been yeah. he has a coach in this and my thing with Mark Jackson that we talked to him like Here's the thing. If you want a coach, why haven't you like gotten onto a staff since then? Like, why haven't you been an assistant mm -hmm. coach anywhere? You're just doing a broad doing broadcast stuff and you haven't had a job since then. Like that was a major red flag to me. Plus all of the stories you hear about Mark Jackson from over the years. The Steve Clifford one, I was like, you know, I know this guy can coach defense. I know. I I remember yeah. no, I remember you at the end of the year he got the Hornets to compete. I think he sure. was he would have been like the safe choice. Good coach, good yeah. coach, but I I can't imagine him transforming like the Kings, like Mike Brown has the transformed the Kings. But yeah, I, I felt like once it got down, and maybe I have to go back and listen to what I really said. But in my head, I'm like, 
we got to the Mike Brown point. I'm like, I think that's the guy. Look at what he's done. Look at his resume. He he checked really all the boxes. I think there was a fear that, oh, you're just getting a defensive-minded coach. You're 25th in offensive rating. Yeah. Are you going to be an ugly offensive team? But I just I had confidence that he learned from his Golden State experience, being there, being around, cursing how they operated. And sure enough, that, that's been the case. The two things that sold me right away, you guys, I know this sounds funny. Um hearing behind the scenes how good of a person he was and like you know you know when some people just say oh he's such a great person but then you hear a different story never heard a different story it was always hmm. he's a great person and then the second thing was that he had ocd and i know that that's <laughs> kind of like what why um i love organization i don't care if it's in my junk drawer i don't care if it's in my closet i don't care if it's on my basketball floor i love organization and he had ocd with the just way to that... be clear he doesn't really have ocd like, oh, that's I, not no, like diagnosed no no OCD. i think i think he really does a little bit he was even talking about it the other day okay i don't want to speculate that he really had OCD just in case people really are we violating hipaa right now know, what's going on no no but truly <laughs> it, it like i think i think with his way that he goes about things you know he always says like hey i even put my right foot in before my left foot when putting on my underwear you know like those things mm -hmm. click with people and he's just a very organized uh, guy with the way that he would lay out his clothes he would highlight plans and all these different things in I felt like the way that he organized things, but also had this looseness and was a good person, the combination of all of it was like, you are the one. There's something special about this man, but I wasn't expecting it to be like this this season. Yeah. And and also, we should give a shout out to Monty McNair because not only the Sabonis trade, but bringing in Kevin Herter, drafting Keegan Murray to solve some of their three-point issues from last season was obviously a huge help for Mike Brown as well. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out, birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, it is time. Thank, uh, thank you for answering our questions. But it is time now for Andrew versus the Beat, which is our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head -head against two, well, not two, well, usually one beat writer. Uh, in this case, <laughs> our challengers, Deuce Mason, Morgan Reagan, from the Deuce and Mo podcast, the first time we've ever had two challengers, Andrew, and they're cool. going to be on a team going against you. This could be your, your toughest battle yet. 
Uh, uh, this is gonna so. be interesting how so. it goes because this could be like a Draymond Jordan pool situation with me and Morgan. I don't. Wow. Why? Whoa. Usually oh we go. I'm going to so. punch her. I was gonna oh, say I'm no. gonna get punched in the face. <laughs> oh, she's Draymond in this example. He's Draymond. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, give it to us, guys. What you got? Uh, okay, so how this works? I've come up with eight questions about the Kings. Some are easy, some are hard. You're gonna pick a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one and we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered so to start us off i just need a number between one and eight seven question number seven okay how many three-pointers has alex len hit in his career now before you answer you get to choose who answers first so you can make andrew answer first and then you go (laughs) higher or lower or you can pick a number and make andrew go higher or lower so Morgan, he did have a year in Atlanta where he was launching more threes. Right, uh, but we're Andrews. Where we go, Andrew? Go ahead. Okay, cool. All right, Andrew. They're going to make you guess first. So you're going to set the bar. What is the number you're going to get? How many has he made? Made three pointers by Alex Lynn in his oh career. My gosh, I can't. I can't envision him shooting a three in like the last like few years. Okay. Um, uh, Deuce did give me a little hint that he was launching at some point when he played for Atlanta. Yeah, um, maybe I was, maybe I'm just ooh, messing. Ooh, yeah, you know? we're messing with you. <laughs> um, I don't, I really have no clue. Uh, a uh, hundred. How about a hundred? A hundred three pointers is where Andrew has set the bar. Wow. Deuce and Mo, would you like to go higher or lower? We're going lower. Lower. Alex Lynn has hit. 110 three-pointers in his career. Yes. All right. right. I felt really bad once you... you, If you aren't watching on YouTube, and you should watch on YouTube, you could see them... Look, thinking in their minds, what an idiot thinking. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Andrew, you're off to a one-point lead, and you have control of the board. Where would you like to go? Uh, All right, number one. Question number one. It was announced this week that De'Aaron Fox won the first NBA Clutch Player of the Year award. NBA.com has clutch stats going back to the 96-97 season. Fox's 194 clutch points this season are the most by a Sacramento King during that time span. Hmm. Which King had the second most clutch points since the 96-97 season? Since 96-97. So any season in there... Darren Fox at 194. Points. This player was in second with 163 <sighs> clutch points. Oh my gosh. Look, I'm whispering to Deuce over here, like taking this very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> what about Peja? Peja, Stoyakovich, Andrew. That is incorrect. Deuce and Mo, you have a chance to steal for one point. You have big Peja. shots. I, I, Who's number two? And not my I think guy. it's a word. I think okay. it's a worthy guess, okay. but your your guess is. Legit. I know. Oh, you have you two don't mind. two guesses. No no no, 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 no. I'm gonna go with this, and I may regret it, and I apologize. What? Oh, you know, go, do it. Mike Bibby. Mike Bibby is Deuce's guess. Now, Mo, did you have a guess as well that you were considering? We're gonna stick with Mike Bibby, but I was considering Chris Weber late in games. It was just. Well, yeah. I have great news. Uh, you both were wrong, so you won't be mad at each other. The correct answer was DeMarcus Cousins in the 2016-17 oh, season. Oh, boogie. At 163 clutch points. Oh, man. 17 so, season? So, uh, no points awarded. Uh, do wow. some know you're down by one, but you do have control of the board. Uh, let, what number do you want? Uh, we want three, please. Question number three. The Kings roster has many fun nicknames on basketballreference.com. Which of the following nicknames does not appear on Basketball Reference for a Kings player? So I'm going to give you five names. Okay. One of them does not appear on Basketball Reference. All the other ones do. So here we go. Black Falcon, Lithuanian Lasagna, God of Dunk, Outback Jesus, and Dunk Man. Once again, that is Black Falcon, Lithuanian Lasagna, God of Dunk, Outback Jesus, or Dunk Man. I have not heard of Outback Jesus, but God, that's a good Delvadova nickname. <laughs> that's a really good Delvadova nickname. Do you have one? 
like I'm not on. I'm just not on like basketball reference. I know. Up nicknames. I know. I know. No, no, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's all I, I, I do I, every week. I, I, I'm gonna be honest. This trivia is way. She, he made this way too hard. I think. No, I've heard this trivia before. It's it's, it is. It's, it's totally because I'm good at trivia, and this is disgusting. Um. <laughs> There are some easy ones in here. I'll let you know. Is Outback Coming? Jesus? Is that? I don't think I've heard of him. <laughs> I'm going to say Outback Jesus. Outback Jesus does appear on Basketball Reference for Matthew wow. Delavadova. It is official. Andrew, there's four names left. Black Falcon, Lithuanian Lasagna, God of Dunk, or Dunk Man? <sighs> Which A Dunk is Man? I have no idea. Dunk, dunk Man. man uh, dunk Man, Andrew, that is Rashawn Holmes. It was Lithuanian lasagna, which was a name that Shaq uh, gave to Sabonis, what... but it does not appear on Basketball. See, that, that's why it sounded familiar. I'm like, that's that could yeah. be on there. That was a tough uh, one. And then God of Dunk is Malik Monk, Malik and Black Monk, yep. Falcon is Harrison yeah. Barnes. Uh, okay, Andrew, control the board. Still a one-point game. Uh, number two. Question number two. Demonis Sabonis led the NBA with 65 double-doubles this season. In the last five seasons, so we're going back to the 2018-19 season, who had the most double-doubles in a season over that span with 69? So a a double-double guy. Big double-double guy. Double-double guy. A Mm. double-double guy. In the last five seasons, uh, this fellow had the most double-doubles in a single season. In the last five years. last five years. Oh, boy. What about Giannis? Giannis Antetokounmpo. Andrew, that is incorrect. Oh. Deuce and Mo, you have a chance to steal. Good. That was my guess. But now it's not. Most <sighs> double-doubles in the NBA from 2018 to this year? Yeah, but just in a single season. So, you know, oh, Demonis oh, okay. had 65 yeah, yeah, yeah. this season. This player had 69 in their season. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. That's actually a pretty good guess. It's not right, but it's a pretty good guess. The correct answer, I would have been really impressed if either of you had gotten this. Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. What year? Uh, In 2018-19. You know... 18-19. That was the toughest... That's the toughest question we got. Everything from here on is easy sledding. Okay, Deuce and Mo, you're only down by one. You have control of the board. We got uh, four questions left. Let's go four, please. Question number four. De'Aaron Fox had 38 points in game one against the Warriors, which is tied for the second most points in a playoff debut. Who holds the record with 42 points in their first playoff game? It's going to be so random. This is so annoying because I I remember this was put out there this past week when he did it. And you can't remember it? Wow, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> this is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to our podcast. I wish we had a producer to just like throw this out really quick. <laughs> 42 points, playoff debut. 42 points, yeah. De'Aaron Fox, only four points away. Do, do we don't get any hints like what year or uh, 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 no. within the last 10 years? Is, uh, could be. It could, could be. be not. Oh, it could be. Okay. Could be. You know, you, I mean, you probably saw a lot of tweets going around when Darren Fox, you know, had his yeah, yeah, yeah. No. For oh, sure. that's the most sure. since this guy did it. Yeah, brain doesn't retain that much. Um, Dude, this what is did so what weird. name did you see? Um, I'm gonna throw this out there. I don't okay. know. Do it. Just do it. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Deuce. That is incorrect. Oh. Andrew, you have a chance to steal <laughs> for one point. Um, was it Jamal Murray? Jamal Murray, Andrew, that is absolutely incorrect. Correct yeah. answer was Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. Sorry, wow. just too- I, he wasn't top of mind because he's at home right now. Oh, okay. yeah, that's oh, right. Wow. Taking shots. Yeah. Yeah. Deuce is taking shots. You guys have zero points and you're taking shots. Yeah, yeah. That's. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, all right, seeing, Andrew. You're seeing our competitiveness come out right now. I'm a little fired up, but we are. We cannot go scoreless. Well, we might. Uh, Andrew, you control the board. Three questions number left. Number five. Question number five. Here we go. The last time the Kings made the playoffs was the 05-06 season. Who led the Kings in total rebounds that season, Andrew? 05-06 Kings. 
Oh, five. my gosh. Oh, six. Kings. You've asked Led us the team. scoring one before. Uh, I think, yeah, I I think it was Mike Bibby. Total total rebounds. Total bounds. Most bounds. Holy smokes. That is just a weird question. A bound man. Um, I think Brad Miller was on that team. Brad Miller? Uh, Brad Miller? Great guess, Andrew. Uh, also a wrong, incorrect. Okay, <sighs> Deuce and Mo, you have a chance to steal for one point. If it was for that, I thought you were going to say for in that first round series against the Spurs. That was going to, I was going to say Bonzi Wells, but, but, but the it was Bigs. Then you had Kenny Thomas. Definitely There's not no Kenny. Way Kenny Thomas. No. If, if it was Kenny Thomas, I'm going to lose it. Um, Sharif Abdur Rahim. Okay. Bonzi. Go with your gut, dude. Ron Artest came out, came to the team late that year, so it wasn't him. Okay. I'm going to say Sharif Abdurrahim. Sharif Abdurrahim. Now, Andrew, Brad Miller was number two, and he had 615 rebounds. This player had three more, 618, and that player's name? Kenny Thomas. <laughs> Oh, no. What? Oh, no. Seriously? There's oh, no, no way that man got those rebounds. There's Total no way. Rebounds? He played in all 82 games, so that probably helped. That year, he always brags too, you guys. He always brags about I was on the last team that made the playoffs. I was this like, and so then I just, <laughs> I never take him seriously. So if he told me that's wow. that, you're lying. And then I gotta you'd... be honest, that is a great trivia question. <laughs> Because I was like, mm. man, I think I would even pick Bonzi Wells ahead of him. No, <laughs> because six, this is role six, change. What was it? Six what? Uh, six, he had 618. So 618. he had 200 more than like Bonzi or Sharif Abdurrahim. Okay. And him well, and yeah, Sharif was there. Yeah, Sharif was banged up, I feel like. That's, that I was going to ask if that was. Yeah. What, what made you go in that room? I don't know. Because Kenny's, you know, his role changed a lot. It did change a lot. <laughs> Uh, well, the bad news is you didn't get it. Good news, you're still only down by one. <laughs> so we're, we're still both doing so bad. <laughs> uh, and it is your question. Your question. So you can pick either number six or number eight. We're going to go with eight. Question number eight. Mike Brown was announced as the unanimous winner of the Coach of the Year Award this week. This is Brown's second Coach of the Year Award. How many current NBA coaches have won multiple Coach of the Year Awards now, this is active coaches. You don't have to tell me who they are. You just have to give me a number. Coaches that have won at least two Coach of the Year mm. awards. Carlisle's won, I think. I'm just pulling this I, out. Well, I could I was be gonna very s- wrong on this. Has Spolstrom won multiple? I, I don't know. You don't, don't have know. to give me the names. You I know, but this to... helps us. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just letting you know. Just Deuce to try to re- re- get some stress. This helps All right. us. I am upset. <laughs> Leave us alone. Go away, guys. We're thinking. Boonholzer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thibodeau? Go with like five. I think five's a good number. Yeah. Five. Five is the answer. Oh, that is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. We should take more point. time. We, I felt pressure. I felt pressure. How about, four, how about four? I don't know. I really Andrew, you're not going to believe this. That is also incorrect. The correct answer was three <laughs> Tibbs, oh. Pop, and Coach Bud. Coach Tibbs? Bud. See, oh, we God, were just funny. like, we're third. So, okay. Now, don't get down because this next question, our final question. Whoever gets this right is going to win the game. Okay? I don't even feel good about that. Yeah, and Andrew, he... uh, you're going to get first dibs, okay? But it's a okay. back and forth question. So the Kings have made over 1,100 threes this season, a franchise record. We're going to try to name all the players in the top 10 for three-pointers made in Kings franchise history. Okay, so Andrew, oh, you're going to give boy. me a name. Then Deuce and Mo will give me a name. And we'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. And this is for all the marbles. This is three pointers made. Um, three pointers made. How about uh, the buddy? Buddy healed number one. Over to Deuce and Mo. Peja. Peja, yeah. Peja, number two. Back to Andrew. Um, 
What about Kevin Martin? Kevin Martin, number eight. Cutting and closing, Andrew. Back to Deuce and Mo. Mike Bibby. Mike Bibby, number four. Back to Andrew. What about Fox? De'Aaron Fox, number six. Back to Deuce and Mo. Mitch Richmond. Mitch Richmond, number three. You guys are flying through these names. Number three, back to Andrew. There are only four names left. You got to think about longevity. You got to think about guys that have been on this current team. Got to think about it. Or at least around this era. Oh, what about HB? Andrew, HB is number five. Back to Deuce and Mo. There's three names left. Number seven, number nine, and I'm number really ten. About this, is there an obvious one? We got to think about this. We got to think about this, Mo. Number seven, number nine, and number ten. I feel like my well has dried up. I I almost want to launch this, but I don't know if I feel. Well, no, we can't give no. hands because. Okay, wait. Hold on, huh? Deuce is whispering to Mo. That's like you're launching. My, my other one, my other one was a real launch. So you just no, wait. Just tell out. me my ear really quick. <laughs> oh, um, that one. No, you think? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Ooh. I'm gonna do it. Just here. Okay, do it. just do it. Just Bobby do it. Jackson. Bobby Jackson. That is incorrect. And Andrew, you've <laughs> won the week. Andrew versus the beat. The other names: Francisco Garcia. Francisco Garcia. Yeah, he was number seven. Uh, Bogdanovich was number nine. And number 10, I would have never guessed this. Ben McLemore is number 10 all time. (laughs) Okay, I was not guessing Ben McLemore. So I hope you feel good about your win. That is wild. Uh, I feel great about my win. Um, (laughs) The rest of my weekend is set. I'm just going to be, this is a, it's going to launch me into the weekend. This is going to be really good. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Hey, go listen to the Do Some Mo podcast. It's a great show. I mean, honestly, everybody loves the Kings. Maybe maybe the Warriors fans. If you're a Warriors fan, just you can ignore this part. Um, go listen to the Do Some Mo podcast. It's very fun. It's very engaging. You can watch them on YouTube as well. If you're just up late at night after a Kings game, hop on the live stream. They're very fun. So uh, thank you guys so much for joining the show. Appreciate you guys so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Deuce and Mo and to La Murray for joining the show. Hey, if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the show. Just like this one from Christos Luca from Great Britain. Five stars, Saturday Slam and Jam. I choose you. Been listening to you guys since the start of last season, and it's one of my favorite podcasts. Turns out I needed the Pokemon segment to finally get me to review you guys. It's always nice when shared passions mash up. As an NBA fan in the UK, we don't have as much coverage over here, so I am appreciative of The Athletic for the in-depth coverage that you provide and you guys in in particular for this podcast. It's always a combination of fun, insightful, and always has great stats and facts for basketball nuts. Keep up the great work, you guys, and let's go Dubs. Thank you so much for that review, Christos. That means a lot to Alex and I. Uh, We appreciate all of you guys listening. Enjoy the playoffs and everything that comes with it, and we will talk to you guys again next week.